Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying reading and listening. I am spending another day in Las Vegas in, uh, during the isolation period. Uh, I have to be a little bit vulnerable for a moment. I am feeling what I believe to be emotional burnout or uh, uh, compassion overload. The world just seems to be in a, in a tough place right now. I see a lot of people just uh, you know, with a lot to say and, and nowhere real to voice it so that people can hear them. I, I see just constant things. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the globalization because it allows us to work in so many places. But the, the globalization of the world has also opened us to so many news sources from around the world that it really, it, it weighs on me. We, we have so much more information available to us uh, for, the, for better and for worse. And it, and it just makes me think about how diverse the world is and how when uh, when the world was so much smaller there was one or two opinions that uh, prevailed in that in that area but now as the world gets bigger and bigger and bigger we have so much so many more ideas to contend with and so much more to think about and uh, we have so many more people in our circle and it, it led me to think about how how uh, the diversity of opinions and the diversity of ideas needs to be used for good and and not and not for uh, not to tax everybody and 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 burden and be burdensome. And with that being said, I I wanted to reach out to somebody who I find to be all over the industry. They this person uh, has done a little bit of everything. It, it's really hard to pigeonhole Rachel because she's been in so many facets of our industry uh, from small weddings to entire stadium shows. So with that uh, small rant, I'd like to introduce Rachel Mullen. She is a lighting designer and director at RF Designs out of San Diego. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rachel. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I was uh, looking over your website and I can't see anything that you haven't done. You've done a little bit of everything. Yeah, I'm very lucky that I've been able to kind of get in on every little level, which is something I really enjoy because I tend to get a little antsy if I do the same thing repeatedly. So I really like to be able to be diverse. Do you think that's uh, just, was that by design or did you just, uh, were you just lucky to fall upon that? No, honestly, when I wanted to get into this field, I started when I was 13. I saw a Pink Floyd concert and I was like, I don't even know what this is, 
but I want to do that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I was like, this just looks awesome. Like there's just lights moving and everyone I was sitting with, they're like, what are you talking about? I don't see anything. And then they're like, oh, uh, and uh, yeah, so I was like, I'm going to do that. I don't care how it happens. Like I want to be a concert lighting designer. And then I realized in middle school that the really the only thing you can do is plays. So I did that for a while. And then in college, I was able to start doing more like dance productions. And that's when I got involved with a couple shops. And I was like, I want to do concerts. And basically, they were like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they were like, it takes 10, 15 years to get in the stadium tour. I'm like, well, if that's the case, then that's what it's going to take. And then a couple of months later, I did do like a concert for like an up and coming band at a local San Francisco venue. And oh my God, it was a nightmare. I kept uh, somehow uh, locking up the console and <laughs> couldn't figure out how to fix it. <laughs> and, uh, but overall it, it ended up working out and I got hired again from other people, but I definitely wanted to be a concert lighting designer, but then when I started doing other facets, I realized I really enjoyed those as well. So it sounds like at the concert, you were the only one to really allow the lights to speak to you. There's so many other people that were just staring at the artist, whereas they, they just like, they knew the lights were there, but they didn't, they didn't uh, feel them the same way you did. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't lucky enough to, physically be at that show I, I was watching on tv with my family. oh got it got it uh and they were just like this this experience is amazing and i'm like but i i'm just staring at the top of the screen like no look at the lights look at the colors changing and they're like oh we never thought to look at a concert that way and then after <laughs> that i would just start drawing pictures and i was looking into how i could do this and my mom i think this was like really before the internet so you couldn't google anything and she was like oh, you want to be a light production engineer? And I'm like, okay, sure. I want to be a light production engineer. And uh, <laughs> she, that's what she still tells people I do. <laughs> light production engineer. That's, yeah. I have, like, I've that's never heard really it said that way. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I do feel very lucky that I get to work in different aspects of the industry. I really feel that um, because I get to do that, it also helps me be more creative when I get thrown in a cer certain project because I don't, I, I get a different form of like, oh, I did a, a talking head show for a corporate event and everything's just like, you know, on and off. But then when I hear music, I'm like, oh great, now I can really let the creative juices flow and I don't feel burnt out, like just doing a tour after a tour after a tour. Mm. When you go to shows, are you still the person who is, uh, who's caught staring up at the ceiling and, uh, oh, yeah. and all over my the room? Friend, my friends have a couple rules. Like they know when they go to a show with me, they're like, oh, we're either going to get to go for free. This is awesome. Or, <laughs> or <laughs> if I buy tickets, I always want to sit in the very back row. And they're like, but Rachel, we want to like be really close to the artist. I'm like, but you can't see everything from there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, no, we got to sit all the way in the back. Uh. And, uh, Rachel and loves they, the cheap seats. Well, it's because I can see everything. It's yeah. Or, or I, I like to be able to sit. I've become very spoiled where I'm like, I don't want to pay for this and have to stand for four hours. Like, I'm, I'm old and tired. <laughs> um, Such yeah. a refined concert goer. Right? I'm like, what do you mean I can't sit? <laughs> what do you mean people are bumping into me? This is, this is not what I expected. It should be more like work. Um, 
but yeah, no. Uh, and a lot of friends and family, they'll like, I'll go to a show and I'll like stare at them. I'm like, that's what's happening here. And I'll start commenting. And my husband, especially, he's like, just made up, make a mental log of all the things that you are <laughs> upset about or like you're thinking. And then just tell me at the end of the show. <laughs> Save it all up. Save it all uh, up. Because, like, oh, it's worse. Like anytime I see a circus of show, I'm like, oh my God, and this and this and this. And he's like, no, 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 stop. <laughs> I can't enjoy the show if you're talking the whole time. <laughs> so that, that's my one rule. But I tend to look up constantly. And people are like, no, stare at the stage. I'm like, no, I, I, I am. But I, I'm always looking up. So you're, uh, even after years in the industry, you're still a concert goer. I am. I'm, I'm picky. But yeah, there's definitely, I, and not just concerts. I do enjoy like, going to see like theatrical shows um and and if there's something like in the local area where I can help promote like uh my husband is involved with Mozart in the Mind so we go to a lot of their um their events and a lot of times they'll call me up and ask me like is there a company we can use for this or that and you know or lighting questions like can we do this or how can we get this done and then we try and support them right on yeah. It makes me uh, happy to hear that. I know a lot of people that I've talked to have been or have become more jaded. They're like, I that's what I do for a job. Why would I want to go see somebody else do my job? I'm like, because yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, it definitely has to be somebody I like. Like I have some friends that are like just love going to shows and they're like, come with us. And I'm like, if I don't like the music, then it just seems like a chore almost. Um, so it has to be somebody I really enjoy or I feel like I'm going to get something out of. And then also, um, yeah, I mean, basically I, I want to get, feel like I'm gaining something from this because it's, I don't get the same thrill because I know everything that goes into it and I'm doing it most of my life. So I can, I try and see it from other people's perspective when they're like, this is the best day of my life. And I don't know why, but it's just so great. And I'm just like, oh, you know, if I was working this event, I would have been able to come 12 hours earlier and I wouldn't have to worry about parking and I don't have to worry about like traffic. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do get pretty spoiled with our, our VIP-ness. At, right. You're like, what do you uh, mean? I don't have, I don't get a laminate to go wherever I want to, whenever, however I want to get there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I think you asked also like the diversity of like lighting and how one should feel specialized in a field. And I definitely know that now, like with everything that's going on in the industry, I, and I'm not currently doing much work. I am trying to like reinvent how lighting should be used in new aspects, basically exploring new ways to use virtual reality and, um, do something like that where we can get our industry involved and do like a concert, but feels like you're actually there. Uh, it's really tough for people like you and I who are hobby. And I don't want to say this the wrong way, but our hobby or our passion is our job. Yeah. W without our job, we don't, you know, I have a hobby. Yeah. My hobby makes my money. My hobby is my, my profession right. as well. It's, you know, when that's taken away from me, I've lost both. I've lost my, my job and my hobby. So. Yeah. And you also feel like part of your identity is a little bit lost. And I, yeah. I, I definitely know because I travel so much for work, like my whole, my entire lifestyle just feels very different. 
So it's, it's a little unnerving at times and I'm trying to like embrace it and be like, okay, it's fine. Um, but I do feel like a little part of me is like on vacation. I keep trying to reach for it. Isn't that a weird feeling? It is. Yeah, it definitely is. The day that I put my suitcase away in the closet was the day that it really hit me like, oh my God, there's, I'm, I have to settle down for a little while. Yeah. And yeah. every day I look at that and I see my, my, uh, my suitcase in the closet. I'm like, That's not where that belongs. I, I'm supposed to have something coming up soon. I agree. Uh, yeah, definitely. Do you think that being home this amount is going to increase your creative process? It sounds like you're, you're make, taking steps towards not letting your creativity go dormant. I mean, I, I definitely... I hope not. I mean, there's, I, I feel like maybe I won't be as fast doing something programming wise, or maybe I won't, I haven't seen something, so it won't like pop up at me. But as for a creativity thing, like that's just who you are. Like for me, yeah. when I am being creative, like my whole thing is I like to listen to the song or I like to talk to the producer for a corporate event and kind of be like, what is your color scheme or what brought you to this point? Why are you having this meeting? And just get a general feel. Like sometimes people are like, I don't know. I just like blue. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but especially with an artist, like when you're talking to them, you're like, well, what were you thinking when you wrote this song? And then I can pull off of what they were thinking and then but when I, especially when I listen to a song, I like to listen to the riffs. I like to listen to like the breakdown and the beats and I'll come up with a couple conceptual ideas. And that's how I like to, I, I like write my notes out and then I'm like, okay, cool. I have an idea. I'm going to build the show off of this. And where does that usually come from? Does that usually come from your, uh, anything that's outside the lighting world? Do you, uh, do you have, any sort of external sources of creativity? Um, well, I feel like I just, images pop into my mind and I'm like, mm. I hear a vocal thing or I hear like a whoosh in the song or a, a beat drop and I'm like, okay, you know, it'd be really awesome if all the lights kind of did this like thing, like I hear boom and I'm like, oh, well in my head, I, I see the lights just from the top, just dropping down. So I'm like, okay, if I, and then I look at my lighting plan, like, how could I make that happen? And then wow. I really love it when an audience, like an, an artist, the best thing for me is they're like, I don't care if I can be seen. And I'm like, this is great. because Oh, those are the best. Because I can do anything now. I can play with shadows. I can do, and, and if they're like, light me from any direction, I'm like, great. I don't care about color then I'm like, this is perfect. I can really go outside the bounds of like what's possible here. Do you find that you work better when you have a complete lack of rules and restraints or do you work better with restraints and restrictions? I always enjoy getting feedback from my clients, mostly because I, I like to meet their vision. Um, and then I like to hear what they're thinking. Um, basically what I said before, like what they were thinking when they wrote the song or why uh -huh. the conference is happening or whatever. And then I can come up with my design concepts. Um, 
and it helps me come up with a unique design which I can bring alive um, to the show. I've, I've definitely worked with people that are just all over the place and they're like, I want this and this and this and this. And then I have some people who are like, I don't care. And I'm like, so I, but I do like to get a little bit of feedback. I don't love it when they're like standing behind me and they're like, ex- if, the, if we have like a session like weeks before and we're like sitting there in the design process and they're like, right here, I want this, right here, I want this. And you know, that, that doesn't bother me as much. What drives me crazy is like, I'll design an entire show <laughs> And then they'll come up to me during the show and start yelling in my ear. And I'm like, you know, I can't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what? What? Did you say red? (laughs) Yeah, sorry. uh, I got these fans. I'm like, like, I really don't know what you're saying. (laughs) I'm going to try and do what you want. But some of the stuff I'm like, oh, yeah, I can make that light red. And some of it, they're like, oh, do this crazy effect. I'm like, "Uh, we're live. Like, no, sorry. Um, so I, I definitely will take the input. I don't, I don't mind it, but I, if I have like just design freedom, that's also kind of nice. Uh, somebody uh, out there could write an entire book on that of just how to deal with artists (laughs) un request. like, just make it red. Okay. Which, which lights do you want me to make red? Right. Just just some of them or like all of them? Cause I can make all of them red really quickly. Right. But if you yeah, want it read in an artistic read. way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're like, uh, what feeling are you trying to emote right now? Yeah. Like if there I was a way that we could just encourage people to just tell us what you want to yeah. accomplish, not how. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and some people are really good at explaining what they want. And I'm like, got it. But some people, they're just like, I want it to feel imperial. I'm like, well, that might mean something different to me. Uh, i've had a string of clients who don't exactly know what they want Mm -hmm. but they're very clear on what they don't want i think that's great too because then you you have an a starting point you're like and i've had a couple clients they're like i don't want this color and i don't want to be hit by this angle and i'm like okay and sometimes it's really easy and sometimes i'm like you you sing pop music and you don't want purple or pink like i'm like (laughs) but you also really care about looking good on camera so i can't use green either so i'm like (laughs) i only i have like three colors like your whole set is (laughs) red blue and yellow got it yeah that sometimes some of the greatest art comes from those restrictions and sometimes it's people just throw up their hands and they're like here you go red green and yellow or red Red, yeah. blue, yellow. There you go, and uh, yeah. they walk away. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that where you thrive? Do you thrive uh, doing things with on your own initiative, or do you thrive in a in a group setting? Um, I definitely like to work with others. If <laughs> I, I, I hear some qualifiers here. I. I do like to collaborate with other people. The reason why I'm like, uh, is because I feel like sometimes somebody's voice gets lost. Uh, there's always somebody that tries to take over or jump into somebody else's like world. And there, a lot of times somebody is unhappy at the end. Um, so unless you work with people regularly and they kind of know their role, 
then at times I feel like it can it can be an issue. I always am happy to get input from other people, um, but I I kind of like when it's just me because I feel like I always want to hear what everyone says. I don't want to just be like, no, I'm the designer, go go away. Um, but then I, and I want to make everyone happy. And then I feel like sometimes if I make everyone happy, then I'm not happy. Ooh, that is a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah. It's like uh, homework projects in high school where you have to, they just put four people together to do a, a, same, the, a single project. And obviously there's going to be one motivated person who's going to kind of overpower. And then one person's going to be like, yeah, you guys got this. I'm just going to. Yeah. Go play Xbox while you guys finish the project. I feel like it it comes down to like people's personalities too. Like, and I definitely know that like some people like they they go in and they're a boss until somebody is just a little more alpha. And then they kind of like, are like, Oh no, you do you. I don't want to upset like the, whatever's happening here. So, I mean, yeah, I just, I think if somebody has a really strong personality, then maybe it could work, but I really think that can get in the way sometimes. Yeah, I would love to hear about the neuroscience on that someday. That might be a whole other project. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's really tough when collaboration happens because there's often that one person who's just unwilling to to bend. Yeah. Do you run into that a lot? Sometimes. And the problem is when you tell them that it's probably not possible mostly due to a budgetary thing or they just there's not enough time to do it uh then it becomes an issue they're like we have to have this and i'm like well our trailer only holds this much space and we (laughs) used it all and i can do it but i need this much more space or our budget is this and we we don't have any more money so i i can't do it like unless you want to get a video wall in and then we can like kind of do it that way or and they they they're just like no just do it and i'm like well i'd love to and then i'm just like okay well here's a breakdown of how we can do it are you okay with paying more are you okay with taking this away to get what you want and then when they fight back and they're like i don't want to hear excuses and i'm like i i hate to be the one to do this to you like i really would love to give you everything you want but sometimes that's not an option unfortunately Man, it it uh, it sounds like you've been in long enough that you're really getting a good grasp of the politics of <laughs> our industry. Sometimes, yeah, it's it's hard. Space, uh, space sometimes is the biggest challenge. And unfortunately, audio and lighting and video take up a lot of space. It does. We are we're very space intensive. Do you find that you're usually the one who's uh, willing to be stand up and be the creative initiative or the the boss? Or do you like to, are you kind of the sit back and watch and kind of pick your battles person? I tend to go to the second and then, like, I like to kind of watch what's going on in, you know, the whole circle, kind of get an idea of how people are feeling. And then when I feel like it's my turn to say something, I'm like, okay, these are the things I absolutely need and kind of push at that point. But I don't, I don't try and like stir the circle or whatever <laughs> too quickly okay yeah kind of a kind of a chess player in that uh, in that regard uh, yeah i guess so i i, t- I try and be i i, I don't want to cause too many issues right off the bat 
That's very clever. It's a side of our industry that a lot of people don't fully understand is that if you want to get your message across, you can't, you can't just throw it out there. You, you got it. There's, there's a strategy involved as a, you know, it's a lot of people think it's just going to be pirate in their barking orders and yelling. And the louder you yell, the more you're going to get, but it, it's not that way anymore. Yeah. It might I mean, used to have been. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I try and talk calmly and be nice to everyone. I mean, I, I have this one project manager I work with somewhat frequently and he's like, he always introduces the whole team and he's like, this is Rachel. And he's like, she'll be smiling and really nice to you. But if she gets quiet <laughs> and gives you the look of death, <laughs> run. <laughs> and he's like, you won't see it often. I've only seen it like two or three times and I've worked with her for about 10 years, but uh, you did something really bad. <laughs> uh, for better or for worse, our industry is becoming a slightly more corporatized than when we were in high school theater. Are you finding that that's had to force you to be more uh, politically minded and more strategic when it comes to your designs? really no I I don't think so I mean I guess it would depend on what the event was I okay but overall I think the only time I've like run into any issues I did a show for a Scientology event and it was very difficult because they wouldn't actually uncover the stage and I was like well I can't light anything if I can't see anything (laughs) I was like, I'll sign whatever you want. Like, I, I don't know what's behind there, but I'm going to see it when the show happens. So can I just see it now? <laughs> uh, wow. But yeah. So that, that, was, that was interesting. That's interesting. How did, how did you get involved into a Scientology event? Oh, I, it was just a company I was working for, and they called me up, and they're like, hey, we have an event in L.A. Are you free? And I was like, Sure. <laughs> And then I found out it was a Scientology event. And I was like, all right. Is that, is that an event you can talk about? Yeah, I mean, it was years ago. It was, it was just like a dinner. And um, there were some bands that came on. Nobody like famous. I think it was just like a cover band and uh, an auction. Okay. Uh, so it, but they were just being really particular about like seeing, you know, any logos or like what the stage design was going to be. And I was like can we just at least look at the edges of stuff so I know where to cut things off? And can I, or can I have like a color scheme? Is there anything you don't want kind of thing? And they were just like really elusive about everything. And then I was like, at some point I'm like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. (laughs) (laughs) That sometimes that is the best solution to everything is I'm just going to do whatever I want to. And uh, if you invite me back, (laughs) as long as the check clears, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're kind of well-known for being slightly elusive and, uh, and hidden, aren't they? they? Yeah. It was, I mean, overall, it was fine. It, the, the only thing I really remember from the event was that the, one of the, like, somebody had a dog for auction and somebody bought it for $20,000. And I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Not even, like, any kind of special dog. I think it was a golden retriever. Wow, $20,000 yeah. dog. That sounds, uh, I, I feel like that could be spun even worse than it sounds. 
<laughs> Probably. <laughs> I was like, we, I feel like we could do something way more important with this money, but you know, whatever. Oh man. I, I have to say that those are the moments when you step on the show site and you're like, how in the world did I get here? Yeah. I, can't, I got into this industry to do rock and roll and theater and, and stuff like that. Now I'm at a, a Scientology dinner. It's, it's also, that is, that's not even the weirdest thing. I was doing this one event and I didn't know that there was going to be like farm animals there. And all of a sudden I just look over like to my left and they're like, okay, we forgot to tell you that a donkey's coming in and the, and the president of the company is going to ride this donkey and we need like a bunch of lights to follow him. And I was like, okay, not a problem. They gave me, I think like five minutes. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I can, I can do that. And, uh. I was like, what do we do if the donkey doesn't, like, follow the, the trail? Because <laughs> we didn't have a follow spot. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, no, no, the donkey's fine. And I'm like, okay. And, I'm, and the funniest part was I was like, I got to take a photo of this. So I take a photo of the donkey and I put it on, like, Facebook. And people are like, what the hell? Where are you? I'm, I'm busy color balancing a donkey. What, yeah, what I was like, you? Hey, you don't do that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. And you've done you've done some major events that with lots of animals. I would imagine that that's oh just one of many animals that you've had to uh, had to try and get on their mark. That's true. I mean, the circus animals that they do a lot of training with them, so they I've never experienced them kind of veering off too much. And we we basically just light the entire stadium, so that that's never been an issue. But that whole show was uh, it wasn't time coded. I don't know if it was because it was. Oh, when was that like 15 years ago or something or I, I don't know why I came in as a programmer after the show had been running for a while um so we just went off cues and I remember okay. when I went in for like my first day they were like here you go and I was like uh can I have a script or something they're like no, no no we'll just tell you when to take a cue and then you'll just learn and I was like cool <laughs> and after like the fifth or sixth show you're like got it but you're like, what if I mess up? They're like, oh, yeah, don't mess up. <laughs> like, okay. Well, you know, you'll just blind a trapeze artist and they'll right. die. Just, so don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you are one of the ones that literally just packed up and joined the circus then. It's, it's funny because it was my first tour. And uh, I was like, yay, I made it, even though I'm making no money. <laughs> I had my first tour and everyone was told me like, if you want to be a lighting designer, you need to go on tour, make a name for yourself, try and get with like a bigger company and you have to do the groundwork. You just have to do it. And then people will take you seriously. And I'm like, cool, I'll do it. And so I, I did it and it was a huge shock to me because it was the first time that like, I didn't live in a house. Like and I was always in a different city and I didn't know anyone. And I was like, okay, this is a little scary, but it definitely learned a lot. And, uh, I, there are things that I personally running a crew wouldn't do. Like I remember we had a bunch of bear lights and the cases are probably like, oh, I want to say like three feet tall each. And we would stack them three high and push them up like these like baby hills like it was intense and I remember one time one of them kind of got away from us and thankfully it did not tip but I was like this is dangerous <laughs> that was your first tour and you still was, wanted to continue to tour 
Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more picky about the tours <laughs> I take now. That is the luxury that comes with the experience. That, that is true. Uh, we are almost out of time, but one of the things I was most interested about was uh, you working with Megan Trainer. It sounds okay. like, it looks like you've been with her for quite some time. It looks like you guys have quite a good uh, yeah. working relationship. Yeah, she's amazing to work with. Um, and she really doesn't have much restrictions. It's just really enjoyable like to have somebody so talented to work with. I have to assume that she's uh, fairly female-centric with her production team. Um, it's, I feel like it's 50-50. Like, cool. uh, management, like half are women, half are men. And um, same thing with like the design team. Like, and then all her dancers are women. Um, but I definitely feel like she likes the idea of like powerful women working with her. And um, that is something I definitely can relate to because like as a woman in the industry, I've I definitely know. So like when I started, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, like I got into this because I saw Pink Floyd concert when I was 13 years old and I was like, this is awesome. And every book I read or all the instructors I had, except for one in college, they were all men. And I was like, you know, this, it didn't really face me at the time. I was like, this is just what I want to do. Um, and I guess because I was a kid, I was like, oh, they're just adults. Like, I didn't see it as anything. And um, I remember just thinking, like, nothing's going to stop me. And then when I got into college and started getting some paid gigs and I started, like, meeting some people that I really admired and they kind of became mentors of mine, they were like, you are going to have a really hard time because you're a woman. And they're like you know, you're, you're good looking. So that'll help. And I, I was a little offended. And I was like, the part when I was like, I'm a woman, that's gonna help me. I'm like, cool. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Wait <laughs> so a minute. I kind of took it on as a challenge. I was like, it doesn't matter that I'm a woman, like, they're just gonna hire me because I do good work. And uh, nothing's gonna stop me. And I thought like that for a while. And then after a little while, I was like, you know, it would really be great if I had a more like, ambiguous name. Because <laughs> I could just like, write all my, if my name was Christina, I could just address all my emails as Chris. And then people wouldn't know if I was a male or female and they would maybe hire me. And then, I, and then later, once I'd been in the industry for a while, I'd been really lucky that like, I don't really have to think about it as much. I'm like, I think I just let my resume speak for itself. And I feel very lucky because I've heard other female designers, horrible stories about how they were sexualized or like abused and really the only thing I've had is a couple people like you're a woman you should work from home like have your husband take care of you or like why are you in a technical industry um or are you strong enough to lift that and I'm just I'm just like no I I'm I like being technical and I like to design and I'd like to learn things and hey I'm I don't mind being lazy if you want to show your masculinity feel free to carry that like my back will last a lot longer in this industry like I'm I'm good so anytime someone's like, oh, I got that. I'm like, you go for it. Yeah, um, you, you prove how strong you are. Right? Go for like, it. You want to carry that? Be my guest. Um, but one thing I would like to say for any women that want to join this industry, like I hope that they don't feel like they can't be in it because they're a woman. I know that when I started, there weren't really any women that I knew of that I could look up to. And all of my mentors are men. Um, 
but I hope that now, because there are more women that are joining, that they feel like they have strong women that they can look up to, and that will push them along in their success, and that they can see, they won't see men as, like, someone that's going to hold them back. They'll see them as collaborators and people they can work with, and I really think that when women want to be in a field and they believe that they can do it, that they deserve to, especially if they're passionate about something. Um, and I really hope that someday, like a lot of these young women that want to get into the industry will have um, the courage per se, because they, they have role models that they can look up to that, um, persevered in an industry that was male driven and I kind of am like finally like 15 years later I'm like oh right on to all those men that were like you know you can't do a stadium tour you're a woman or you you're just you can't do it I'm like it took some time but yes I can so women can do it yeah. <laughs> so that's one of those hidden barriers that a lot of people don't accept as an actual barrier but uh being able to see yourself in role models and, and mentors and being able to see yourself in those roles is a huge leg up for a lot of people. If when you actually have somebody that you can picture yourself in that role, it, it helps. It's a I huge agree. leg up. Like I never really saw it as like, Oh no, women are in this role, so I can't do it. But I'm sure there are so many people out there that are like, no, it's all men. I can't do it. So if there are women that they can be like, Oh, that that woman did it, and she's kick ass. Like I can totally do this, and yeah. I I think that's amazing. So I really hope that myself or any other woman designer will be an inspiration to some young girl out there that wants to do this. I, I definitely think that you are, and uh, the more vocal you are about it, I I'm all for it. And, uh, I think that I've seen on your website and some and your LinkedIn and a lot of your social media that you've been very vocal and about supporting just the, the option, just letting know, letting women know that like, no, this is, if you, if you want to be in this industry or any industry, you should not let anybody stop you from doing it. I, yeah, I agree. Anything you want to do, you should be able to do it. It doesn't matter. Like woman or a man. I don't want any man to think that they can't do anything they want either. And I'm sure there are some industries that so pop for men to go into. I can't think of anything right now, but <laughs> I'm yeah. sure like, being a flight attendant 30 years ago oh, or yeah. I don't yeah. know fashion design has always been like both, but maybe a ballet dancer or something like you do you. I can't remember any time anybody ever came to me and said, oh, you might not be able to do stadiums because you know, you're kind of, you're not that good looking or <laughs> like, Hey, you're pretty good looking. Maybe you should be on this tour. Uh, the thought of that happening even once to me would be very off putting. I'm, yeah, it, it is interesting. Like when I think about it, I've had it and I think they thought it was a compliment. I'd walk in and they're like, oh, talent goes that way. And I was like, oh, you're sweet, but I'm actually not the talent. They're like, aren't you a dancer? I was like, no, <laughs> I can try, but it won't be pretty. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually I'm going to be doing the lighting. They're like, awesome. <laughs> and that was like the conversation. Um, it, it seems like a compliment, doesn't it? But it yeah, I think they, I was like, yeah. Ah. You're like, thanks. <laughs> Good to know I have options. 
I can't imagine somebody coming to me and say, Hey, Chris, you're going to be, you're very good looking. You should probably, uh, you're, that's going to be a leg up for you in order to do, uh, arena tours. Yeah. I mean, it, it did. And the only people that really said that to me were my mentors. And I think they were trying to like make it. So I had like some tough skin, like don't okay. let this get you down. And, but I do remember feeling a little discouraged. I was like, why is that even, why is that even coming up? And I remember like a lot of times, it doesn't happen often, but every now and then someone's like, we want to put a profile picture of you up. I'm like, does it have to be my face? Can it just be like an image of my work? Like, do people really need to see what I look like? I don't care so much anymore. Um, but I do remember early on, I was like, I, I, I'd rather my work speak for itself rather than what I look like because I don't think anyone should care. Yeah. Yeah. I think Rachel's work stands on its own. It would be interesting to see if you could take your resume and put a male name and see if you got the same gigs. Oh yeah. That, I mean, that would be interesting or if it would change. And I get you might be too far along. You're already too far. Well, too well established. (laughs) I can only imagine somebody reaching out to you like, uh, Hey Donnie, I I looked at your resume and it looks like you're taking credit for all of Rachel's, uh, Rachel's jobs. And I know Rachel quite well. So (laughs) I was there too. It was really, it was really me. (laughs) 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 You know, Donnie, I'm going to check in. I'm going to call Rachel and get a, get, see if uh, she'll vouch for you. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I definitely, I, I definitely still think it's a really hard industry to break into only because, and this was something I had a lot of trouble with because, like, I'd have people come up to me that, like, when they find out what I did, they're like, that's awesome. How do I get into that? And I'm like, you just have to basically email every company in the entire world yeah. and uh, hope they hire you. And they're like, and then what? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm still working it out. And then people are like, how do you get work now? I'm like, a lot of it just repeat customers and word of mouth. And I was like, if there was like, you go and apply to Google and you get work, I would, I'd be like, right on, like, let's go that route. But I don't know that way yet. That is one of the toughest questions when people ask how we get into this industry because yeah. the answer is always, I don't know. I just Yeah, I'm like, and, and people are like, you just need to be in the right place at the right time. I'm like, okay, well, can I just come to work with you every day? Like, how do I know when I'm in the right place at the right time? Don't know. Yeah, don't know. It'll just happen. I'm like, but no, no one's hiring me. <laughs> so <laughs> can't be in the right place. <laughs> just keep trying. Maybe I was in the trying. wrong place at the right time or the right, right place at the wrong time. I don't know. Right. Just just keep doing it. Yeah. There's nothing stopping us. Just we volunteer, we try different things and uh, eventually something sticks. Exactly. And it's really hard too, because no one wants to hire you when you, you don't know how to design. So you have to take like stagehand work and you have to take like, you know, other types of gigs and people are like, why should I hire you as as a designer? You've been a stagehand for five years. And you're like, well, I have a, I have a BA in lighting design. And they're like, so, It is such an interesting industry. Why we got into this, I'll never know. How we did it, I don't know. But here we are. Thank you so much for taking an hour to sit with me, Rachel. I really appreciate it. I'm really glad to know that there's people like you out there tearing down these walls and and still generating creativity even under the, the toughest of circumstances. Definitely. Yeah, no, I, 
I mean, everything, a pandemic is like a hurdle that we never thought of, but I definitely think we should use the technology that we have and try and innovate in any way we can with what we have going on for us. So I know a lot of people are struggling and I totally get it. There are definitely times where I'm like, it's just easier to wait it out. But if you can do something, even if it fails, I don't know why not. It, it, no skin off your back to try. So I definitely think like you can figure out a way to do something to increase the industry or even just your own creativity. Go for it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate it. Thank you.